Let's begin with the four categories of the 39 Melachot. We know that on Shabbat we're not allowed to do many things. Some are Deoraita, some are Midrabanan, but there are 39 Melachot. There are 39 uh, steps which were needed to construct the Mishkan. And the Gemara tells us that these 39 steps serve as the headline or the headlines really for what we cannot do on Shabbat. The four categories, with the 39 melachot are divided into four categories. Rabbi Rabbiya beautifully puts it together. The four categories, as we can go in this order, the first category is these 11 melachot, the 11 steps that were needed to make the bread. The second category were the 13 melachot or the 13 steps that were required into making the cloth cover, one of the covers of the Mishkan. The third category, which has seven melachot, seven steps into making the leather covers of the Mishkan. And finally, the last category, which has eight melachot. Here, it's not eight steps, but eight different things that were other random melachot that were done in order to make the structure of the Mishkan. Let's begin with category number one. Category number one has 11 melachot, and these 11 actually in specific order, in the order that it takes for a person to make bread. Let's begin. Melacha number one, the melacha of Horesh, which means plowing. And that's really what it means is softening or preparing the ground in order to allow it to be planted. A practical halacha lemaaseh of this melacha is sweeping in your backyard. This falls under this category because when you sweep in, the, in your backyard, I'm talking about not any backyard, if you have a backyard like mine, which is all cement, not one drop of uh, dirt, and there's no grass around in, ba- in my backyard, so you have no problem. We're talking about in a, cl- in a place where most backyards have a grass area where there's dirt. That would be forbidden on Shabbat because it's under this category. You're straightening out the, the ground for it. Next, Melachav Zoreah. Melachav Zoreah is defined as the initiation or promotion of plant growth in any way. Helping a plant or anything that is a plant life grow. Not only planting, but even helping it grow. So therefore, a simple a practical application of this is you cannot wash your hands from an itlate dime cup in your backyard where there's dirt. Again, specifying where there's dirt. Anytime there's plants around you, make sure you don't wash your hands and this way it doesn't water the dirt and makes the grass grow. Next, Kotzer. Third melacha is the melacha of Kotzer. Kotzer, which is harvesting, translated loosely as harvesting, but it's really uprooting or detaching any plant from its source of growth. A relevant halacha that's very, very practical is that besides that you cannot climb on the tree because Hazal were the rabbis we're scared that you might come to break off a branch. Also, it's forbidden for a person to use a tree in any way. That means you want to lean on a tree. You want to, you know, put your arm on the tree, hang on the tree, put something on a tree branch. That will be forbidden. Melacha me'amir. That's melacha number four. Me'amir is gathering the scattered plantations when they were detached and collecting them into a pile. Like we said, in order for this melacha to be a deoraita, it has to be that they must all be the same type, which means apples fall from your apple tree, 
It's all, we're talking about all apples over here. You're piling up together, only apples together, not apples and grapes and figs and all the other different things together. Also, you must, and not you must, but it'll only be forbidden when it's piled together in the place where they grew. And therefore, fruits fell from your fridge on Shabbat in your kitchen, you're allowed to pile it together. It's not a problem of mi'amir. The simple application of this halakha is that you have a fruit tree in the backyard. And even though the fruits fell before Shabbat, just to gather it together, either in the basket or collect it all together over there under the tree, even though you're not taking it to the house, just to collect it together is forbidden. Next, melakha, melakha of dash. Dash means threshing. And that is basically you're removing the kernels from the inside of its shell. In order to be dash midoraita, the shell and the what you're trying to bring out from inside the shell have two dif- have to be of two different types. Also, in order to be dash midoraita, it has to be something that grows from you know that, that that's comes from the ground or comes from a tree. Also, it cannot be in a way that's called derech achila. So, if a person wants to eat peanuts on Shabbat, you know, with the ones with the shell, or if a person wants to eat sunflower seeds on Shabbat, that's mutar. Because you're eating, that's called derech achila. The act of threshing that's asur is when it's not done for immediate food. A practical application of this is the melacha of sahita. Sahita means squeezing or juicing. A person's forbidden on Shabbat to take any fruit and to squeeze it and making it into a juice, even lemonade. There are ways that a person can make lemonade on Shabbat, but it has to be done in a specific way. And that is by squeezing it onto food. This way it's ochel etoch ochel, and first you put the sugar, you squeeze the lemon juice on top of the sugar, and then you add the water. But to squeeze it in an empty cup on water, that will be a problem under the category of sohet, which is in the category of dash. Melakha number six is Melakha of Zoreh. And as we explained, the three Melakhot Zoreh, Borer, and Melakha number nine, skipping Tohen, which is the Melakha of Meraked, all three of these Melakhot were Melakhot where we separated. It was three different steps in separating. One was done through the wind. Zoreh is when you separated the good from the bad, or bad from the good, through the wind. Borer is separating the bad from the good with your hand. And Meraked is when you use a special utensil to separate. All these three are forbidden on Shabbat. You find them all in one siman. In siman Shin Yutet, Maran Shohan Aruch speaks about all these halakot together because the practical applications of all these things are really, you know, it's under the same category. It's all separating bad from good. As a starter, anytime you're separating, even when you're separating good from bad, if it's not done for immediate use, immediate use means anything within a half an hour, whether your meal is starting in a half an hour or if you're having a snack on Shabbat within a half an hour, if it's done for something that's longer than that time, then it's forbidden. Um, there's a lot of practical halakhot over here. I'll give you just very, very quickly the one like we just said, and that is if a person if a person is separating even good from bad, we know that you're allowed to separate with your hand good from bad, and like we said, for immediate use. If a person, people don't realize sometimes, they have, uh, let's say you have a plate, and you have on it all different types of nuts, 
So now they want to separate them in all different piles. They want each nut. They want the pistachios and they want the cashews and they want the peanuts and they want the seeds. They happen to be all mixed together. Some kid put them all together. And you, when you come in, you separate them into different bowls. And you're not planning to eat it right here, but you're planning to eat it later on. You finish your Shabbos day meal, your morning meal, now you want to have it for Sardash of the Seeds, which is later than half an hour. That's going to be a problem of Borer on Shabbat. And we go on now. Now that covers us for Melachan number 6, 7, and 9. We skipped Melachan number 8 because, you know, doesn't match with it. But we'll go back to Melachan number 8, and that is Melachan of Tohen, grinding, turning something that grows from the ground and you grind it into many different particles. That is the melacha of tohen. You cannot, even though cheese doesn't grow from the ground, still a person may not grate cheese on Shabbat. But even without a grater, if a person is going to make a salad, according to many post scheme, yeah, a person has to be careful on Shabbat when making a salad not to slice the vegetables too small. You know what they call the Israeli salad with the very, very small vegetables? That would may be a problem on Shabbat. The exact details, we have to speak to your local rabbi or wait till we get to that. Those halachot b'zat Hashem. Melacha number 10, melacha of lash. Lash is exact opposite of tohen. Where tohen, you took one item, one goof, and you made it to many, many different units. So to us, uh, melacha of lash is the reverse. It's kind of like playing the video backwards, right? Uh, you're, what you're doing is you're taking many different particles and you make it into one through water. That's another thing. You have to do it through water. When you add water to the flour, making it into a dough, that's melacha of lash. This is actually a very, very complicated melacha on Shabbat because uh, it, the parameters of this melacha are you know, spread everywhere. You have to know when it's butan, when it's not butan, and also with a small little change, you can turn something from being 100% asur to 100% muta. Give you just a practical application of this halakha. You know, they, they, they make jello, right? They sell jello, which is, which is a powder. Powder is many different particles. You add water to it, and then all of a sudden it turns into a solid. That is forbidden on Shabbat. Even when you tell me why is it different from juice? If I take right now a powder from juice and I add water to it and I have a fruit juice, what's the problem with that? Here also, when I mix the water with the jello, it turns into juice first. Only when you leave it in the fridge and after a while it turns. So that should be grama. And that says, no, that's not grama because that's the derech. That's a way to make jello and that's what you're planning to do and therefore it is forbidden to make jello from a powder on Shabbat under the category of lash. Final step in this category. The first category of the 39 milachot and that is the milachot of bishul or ofe, which is baking which is pretty much the same thing. And that is causing the, the causing of a change in the properties of food or substance by means of heat. That is cooking. Now, like we said in the past, although bishul doesn't uh, doesn't is not only limited to food, it could also be bashel metal or wood, according to the Raman, that's Asubidoraita. Um, still, it's gonna be most practical in the kitchen. That's where we have the hot plates and all these different things. We'll just give you a very, very quick halakha. And that is that warming up food on Shabbat. Warming up food on Shabbat, even if you have the blech or the hot plate, whatever you hold is mutar, you have to be very careful that if the liquid, that if your food has liquid, not to warm it up again on Shabbat when it's cold, according to all opinions. It's going to seem a little bit more lenient when it's not cold. But when it's cold, according to all opinions, 
if a dish has juice inside of it, it's a lot of juice, and you're warming it up, everybody's going to agree it's forbidden. Now, the details, how much juice, it has to be completely dry or not dry, or but that, there's a lot of details of that. As that the shame, we'll get to them when we get to the melacha of Mebashim. Good. We've finished category number one, the 11 melachot or 11 steps that are required to make the lehma panim, the bread in the Mishkan. We go, go on now to the next category, category number two, the making of the cloth coverings in the Mishkan, which has 13 melachot, 13 steps. Let us begin melacha number 12. Melacha number 12 is the melacha of gozez, translated as shearing, which is really the removal of anything that grows on the body of a living creature. What kotzer is in the ground, which is harvesting, pulling out something from its source of life, which is a plant. Here gozez is pulling out anything that grows on the body of an animal, even a human being. You can't pull out any hair on Shabbat, right? And you can't even comb your hair on Shabbat. Why? Because when you comb your hair, it's automatic. What we call the psikreshen halakha. It's inevitable that some hairs will come out as you're trying to straighten out your hair. And it doesn't make a difference what kind of hair you have. In fact, the longer your hair is, the more probable it is that it's going to be pulled out. So this is an issue for both men and women. Gozes, and which translates in practical as brushing one's hair. Melacha number 13, Melabin. Melabin, from the word white, which is really bleaching or the cleansing of any absorbent material to get rid of its impurities. That's what it is. The tolada of this is Hazal tells is laundry, and that's where the practical application of this is going to be. A person has to be careful on Shabbat. I'll tell you one very, very practical application of this is, you know, when you come to do Netlat so now that we have a video over here, you got to be careful that your sleeves should be pulled up. A lot of times, notice that if you're going to do Netlat, you're going to wash your hands whether you're coming out of the bathroom or whether you're coming to wash for bread. But it's not when you're running your hands under the faucet. Usually under the faucet, you have more control of the water. When you're using a Netlat cup and you're pouring on your hand, you'll notice a lot of times the water will come on your sleeve. That could be a problem. That could be, it's a problem on Shabbat. So therefore, make sure when you come to wash your hands, you roll up your sleeves as much as you can. Of course, not that you don't have to go, uh, you know, without, without any sleeves on your arms. Just have to roll up away from your wrist. So this way the water doesn't hit it when you're washing your hands. Next, Menachem, Menachem, Menapetz. Menapetz, Menachem number 14 is the Menachem of um, combing. Now, really, it's not really combing. What it was is that it was after you washed everything, so things got entangled, so you had to separate them. So, by separating them, that's called minapit. How it was done, there's a mahlokit, three-way mahlokit between the Rishonim, between the Me'iri, the, Ra- the Rambam, and Rashi. According to the Me'iri, they used metal combs to separate the, the knotted fabrics, or, or excuse me, the knotted uh, fibers of wool. According to Rambam, they beat the wool until it's separated. According to Rashi, they actually sat there with their hands, separating like the way we would do from our seat. Now, it's hard to find a practical halakha to this because this is really in the area of making fibers to make the string to use it for weaving to make it into clothing. 
And we already, we don't deal with such items on Shabbat because, or even during the day, we're already getting our fabrics much later on. But some poskim, not everybody, a lot of poskim disagree with this, but there are some poskim that say that if you have a very, very entangled chetel, right, because which is real hair that has been detached from a human being, and this chetel, if it's really, really entangled, you cannot brush it very, very vigorously on Shabbat, according to some poskim. But, like I said, many poskim disagree with that. Soveya, melacha soveya is melacha number 15, which is coloring or dyeing any material. The practical halacha of this is Shabbat and makeup. Women, I don't want to say men, okay? That's a problem even during the weekday. Women cannot put on makeup on Shabbat. When we, I know there's such a concept of Shabbat makeup. That's a different issue. But regular makeup, the one that, let's say, lipstick that lasts for the whole entire Shabbat, that is going to be a problem on Shabbat. Next three melachot, it's hard to find practical applications to them. We're just going to list them, number 16, 17, 18, very, very quickly and um, without any practical alchot because there are no practical alchot. The next three steps into the making the cloth were first you have to make the string, which is basically take many of these fibers and spin them together to make the string. That is melachot number 16, tove. The making of that string, which is taking many fibers together and spinning them, that is tove. Melachot number 17 and 18. It's really, really hard to find in our days because 17 and 18 is, was based on the machinery that they had back then. When I say machinery, it's a, uh, you, you think it's very sophisticated. It's really not so much. Actually, it's very, very much different than the way we have in our days. So they would have to set up the strings in a way that as we look at every cloth, there's ways, there are strings that go horizontally and vertically. So the strings have to be set up horizontally and set up vertically. The setting up of the strings horizontally is one melacha. The setting up of the, and that's called the melacha of that's melacha number 17. The setting up of the strings vertically, which is mesach, that's melacha number 18. Just setting them up. Now, combining these strings together is the melacha of oreg, which means weaving, putting the strings vertically and horizontally to make a cloth, that is Melachat number 19, which is weaving. And here we do have a practical application of this halakha, and that is braiding your wig. Ladies who have shaitals, you cannot braid your wig on Shabbat. Braiding your hair is also forbidden. We'll talk about it as at the same. But a wig which is detached from a, from, uh, from, from a person's uh, body, hair that's detached from a person's body, braiding them is makes it into melacha of, uh, or under the melacha of oreg. Next melacha is the melacha number 20, which is potseya. Potseya, the melacha of potseya, which, um, so here, there are many different opinions of what potseya is. We're going to go with Rashi, just for our sake, because we're looking at the time. It's detaching the, unnece- the unnecessary thread in the garment. After you weaved, you saw some strings coming out, you cut that off. That cutting off is the melacha of potseya. So now, potseya, according to other opinions like the Rambam, it's the exact opposite of oreg. The exact opposite of oreg, which means just like oreg, which is weaving, putting the strings together. So potseya 
is unraveling what you put together. So based on that, if according to the Melacha, oh, not according, but if we said that the Melacha of Oreg, which is weaving, applies to braiding a wig, so the opposite is also true. Just like braiding a wig is Esur on Shabbat, unbraiding a wig on Shabbat is Esur, even though it was put together from before Shabbat, especially if it was put together before Shabbat. So that means if you have braided wig, and now on Shabbat you decide you don't like it, and you want to undo it, that would be a problem, or at least in the category of Potsaya. Melacha number 21, and that is the Melacha of Kosher, tying, making knots. Now, tying in Torah is very, very complicated because it has to be something what, we, what the Gemara says, you know, Kesher Uman, it's a professional type of knot. It has to be also something that's a permanent knot. So there's a very, very, uh, a lot of stuff going on in, in knotting. And we would be Asur, Mutar, Midde Oraita. A practical application of this Melacha is double knotting on Shabbat. When it's not necessary, just a regular double knot, it's forbidden for a person to make a double knot on Shabbat when it is, uh, that's what it, you cannot make. According to the Ramah, you cannot make a double knot on Shabbat. Also making a tie. If a person is making a tie and he's planning to keep it like this permanently, it's a sur. So, men, you have to be careful. There's some men, yes, you know, they're embarrassed to admit it, but we all know that they, they do exist. There's some men that, till now, don't know how to make a tie. Okay, it's not the biggest thing, don't worry. It's if you know Rashi, Gemara, Rashi, Toys for this, I guarantee you have a great even if you don't know how to make a tie. So it's not a big deal. But on Shabbat, sometimes they go to somebody, please can you make me a tie? Whenever somebody comes to you, gentlemen, when somebody comes to you and he asks you, please make me a tie on Shabbat, you should know that he probably doesn't know how to make a tie and therefore, he'll probably keep this knot for the rest of his life or until his kids pull it off. Which means it's going to be a problem for you when you make that tie on Shabbat. You have to be careful. Whenever somebody comes to you and he asks you, can you tie my tie for me? Can you make my tie for me? You have to ask of him that he should completely take it off, take off the knot and undo the knot of the, of the tie that you made for him within the week. And shouldn't stay, last this way till the next Shabbat. So just a point to keep in mind when making ties for other people. Melachan number 22 is Matir's exact opposite of Kosher. Whatever we said by Kosher is Asur, by Matir will be uh, doing the, the opposite of that. A practical application of this is when you have tzitzit, let's say you notice that somebody tied your tzitzit, you use the talit and shul, and you notice that the strings over there were tied up in a way that's not to your liking, undoing that on Shabbat is forbidden. Also, although there are heterim, there are cases where it would be mutar, but in general, untying a damanat is also a surah on Shabbat. If it's very necessary, there are heterim, there are permissible, permissible ways. Melacha number 23, the Melacha of Tofer. Tofer means sewing. Sewing means attaching two garments together by a third unit, by something else. That means you can, a third party. You cannot have the same things. You cannot use the two garments together. You cannot attach two garments together with each other and then call that um, uh, Tofer. Tofer has to be a third thing that attaches them together. I'll tell you what is not Tofer. Magnets on Shabbat, which are made to come on and off, is not tofir. So, I, I know they have, somebody told me they have a screen, which is made for the outside, and it's, so in order to be able to walk through the screen, which, you know, protects you from the bugs inside your house, so it has a split down the middle, and attaches together through magnets, 
You're allowed to walk through that on Shabbat, even though the thing will come back. Now you're allowed to put it back together because these magnets are supposed, that's not called tofir. Even though the magnets are attached too close together, but the magnets are made to be going on and off. Same thing on Shabbat, if you want to take the uh, magnets off the fridge, on the fridge, you know, they have the light switches also on Shabbat. You're allowed to put those, you know, with the magnets that go on the light switch, so you shouldn't turn off the light switch on Shabbat by accident. You're allowed to use them on Shabbat. It's not a problem of tofir. What would be a problem of tofir is if you're going to pin anything to a bulletin board, that's a problem of tofir because you're taking the pin which is made out of metal and attaching the two items together, the paper to the bulletin board. That's going to be a, a problem. Another very, very practical application is when you're putting on a band-aid on Shabbat, you got to be careful that the glue, the gluey part, which is going to go on your skin, should only go on your skin. One part for sure is going to go on your skin, but the second part, when you come to stick it, make sure you don't stick it back on the plastic of the band-aid, because then you're attaching the two plastics together through glue. That will be a problem of tofir. Korea is also the exact opposite of tofir, and that is tearing, simply translated, but it's really undoing anything that's uh, that's together. So therefore, just like we said, pinning something on a bulletin board is a surah on Shabbat of Tofir. If something was pinned on the bulletin board before Shabbat, you cannot remove it on Shabbat. Also, if you have two things that are stuck together, let's say sewn together, and you want to tear them off, not to destroy it, but because you want to fix them up after Shabbat, that will also be a problem Korea. In fact, in that case, it will be Korea midday or right I know we're going fast, but we finished already category number two. We're up to category number three, the making of the hide covers. Seven melachot in this category and seven steps into making the leather covers on the mishkan, on the roof of the Ohal Mu'ad in the Mishkan. Let's begin melacha number 25. Melacha number 25 is the melacha of Tzad, which means simply translated as trapping, trapping, and midoraita has to be trapping something that's normally trapped and putting it into a forced confinement where it cannot move and it's easy to grab after. What's a surah on Shabbat is setting up a trap. Even though you're trying to grab insects and uh, or mice, and so setting it up, it may be caught after Shabbat, doesn't make a difference. Setting it up is assumed that a banan, and of course, to catch an insect, even though you're not planning to keep it, you just want to get rid of it, in the majority of cases will be a sur. So if you see, uh, this is like we said when we gave the class, this is one of the hardest things to do, to control yourself on Shabbat. You see a roach or something on Shabbat, and you want to put a bowl over it to enclose it, to keep it in one place, that could be, that would probably be a problem of sad. Shohet, then Melachan number 26, is taking the life of a living creature by means of slaughtering or even crushing and smashing, strangling even a living creature will also be asurant of this melacha. Um, even causing blood to come out is also forbidden on Shabbat. So therefore, if a person has a, uh, what's it called? If a person has a, a cut or a person causes himself to, to bleed on Shabbat, it's asur. Some people who bleed when their gums, when they brush their teeth, because their gums bleed, some people have that naturally. But we ask for them to brush their teeth because they're for sure causing blood to come out. Uh, another case which Ben Ishai is Mahmiran, although there are heterim on this, is when a person has a thorn inside of his, or he has a, what do you call it? He has a 
piece of wood that goes into his skin, I'm forgetting the word right now, the English word for it, and you want to pull it out, and you know that's going to cause blood to come out. There's a mahlokit about this. Manage high is mahmir in this area because you're for sure causing blood to come out. Melakha number 27, mafshit, and that is skinning. That's removing the skin off the animal. Um, according, the practical application of this is if, according to the Aruch HaShulhan, if you have raw chicken, now, leaving the issues of mukseh on the side, because there are opinions that say that raw chicken is not mukseh. So if you have raw chicken, to remove the skin off of it is going to be a problem of mafshit, skinning, removing the skin off an animal. Number 28, moleya, which or some say ma'bid, which is really basically the process of turning the skin of an animal into leather. So they call that in English, it translates as processing or tanning, and that's preparing the hides, preparing all these skins into leather by means of salting or other chemicals that we use in our days. This actually, you might say, who's making leather on Shabbat and what's going to be practiced, actually has a lot of practical applications because what happens is that when you have that skin and now you're turning it into leather, you're, you're preserving it. So preservation is asur on anything that will, might spoil otherwise. And therefore, it's forbidden for a person to make pickles on Shabbat because what you're doing is you're preserving this pickle, this cucumber, which is supposed to last, let's say, two, three weeks. Now it's going to last two, three years. Not only that, even to sprinkle salt on cut up vegetables more than one at a time is going to be a problem also on Shabbat. So therefore, when making a salad, you have to be very careful. If you have the salad all cut up and it's in a bowl, and now you want to sprinkle salt on it, that'll be a problem. So what, what the poskim suggests to do is first to apply your olive oil, which weakens, takes away the effect of the salt, and then afterwards, then you could put on the salt, sprinkle the salt on the many cut up vegetables. Melacha number 29, the melacha of mesartet. Mesartet is scoring, making the lines exactly where to cut, that will be uh, practical in the following way. If you're making a, with your fingernail, you're making a line somewhere which you plan to cut after Shabbat, even though you're only using your fingernail, not using a special tool, that would be a sur. Also folding paper, even though you're not cutting it, but you take two pieces of paper, and uh, one piece of paper, and you fold it to two parts, even though you're not cutting it, but you know you're going to cut it after Shabbat, now that you made this line, this mark, that will be a problem of mesatet on Shabbat. Number, Melachah number 30, memarech or which is translated as smoothing, and that is taking any rough surface and making it and rubbing it till it comes very, very smooth. The practical application of this is creams on Shabbat. Any cream that has a thick consistency is forbidden on Shabbat. It includes also deodorant sticks. You cannot apply deodorant sticks on Shabbat, not only creams, but also deodorant sticks is for the same problem, for the same idea. Melacha number 31, the melacha of mehatech, which is the last melacha in this category, and that is cutting up anything, any material to a desired size. And therefore, application of this is that you cannot cut up um, aluminum foil paper on Shabbat. You want to cover the food, you don't want to get ruined, and you're cutting up. Since you're cutting up in a specific size, that's asur. You must buy the pre-cut ones or do it yourself. Cut it before Shabbat and prepare it for Shabbat. Okay, we're up to the last category. 
Category number four, the eight final melachot, which are categorized as the melachot that were done for the structure of the Mishkan. Like we said in the 39 melachot, the longer version, we said over there that the first six melachot over here are one melachot and it's opposite. So it's really three pairs of melachot. And the first of this melachot of this category is melachot number 32, the melachot of kotev, writing. Writing is writing is basically communicating anything, any message through writing. Whether you're writing a letter, or you're, whether you're drawing a picture, that's melacha of kotev. Hazatelas in order to be kotev, it has to be that you wrote two letters. But if you wrote one letter with an apostrophe, which represents something, which gives, uh, you know, it's like an apostrophe because you know the rest of the word, that's also a problem of kotev as an av melacha. A practical application of this is you can't write even on windows. You know, in the winter, when, when the windows become foggy and you want to write, you know, welcome or Shabbat shalom, even though you're very from, but it's a problem. Now, okay, even writing, by the way, I love Hashem on Shabbat, it's also a problem. Number 33, number 33, the of Mohek. Mohek is erasing. Whatever is forbidden to write, you're not allowed to erase. But not only that, not only that, even erasing any area in order to be able to write, that's also the Mecha of Mohek. When you have words, according to a lot of Ashkenazi poskim, Sephardi poskim are more lenient than this, but a lot of Ashkenazi poskim forbid erasing letters on a cake, cutting, let's say you want to cut a cake, and you're going to break up the words, it's also Asur, and also when you have, let's say, a word on the fridge with the magnets, so you have, let's say, uh, different letters, with magnets on them, and write something on the fridge, moving them out of order, that's also a form of muhek, that would be asur. So, you have to be very careful with that on Shabbat. Melacha number 34, the melacha of bone, which means building, but really it's the creation or formation of, or assembling any part of a permanent structure. That's in order to be an av melacha. What is a problem of bone that's very, very practical, is braiding one's hair. So, you you know, it's a long summer days and the girls want to get together. And a lot of times, they, they, they braid each other's hair. They sit in like a, this big circle and each girl is braiding the other girl's hair, you know, for pastime. That's a surah on Shabbat. According to Hazal, according to the, the Gemara, says that born, it's a toladah. Braiding hair on Shabbat that's attached to the head is under the category, falls under the category of bonnet and it's forbidden on Shabbat. And uh, like we said before, braiding a shaitel is forbidden because of oreg. Braiding one's hair that's attached to his head is a problem of bonnet. Also, what's very, very practical over here, we said this also in the past, is that wearing a baseball cap with a brim, with a hard brim that's above or, or larger than the size of eight centimeters, which is the size of a tefah, to protect you from the sun or from the rain is asur. People don't realize that. When you're going out in, in a Shabbat day and it's raining, or it's too sunny and you want to wear your baseball cap, that will be under the melacha of bone because you're putting like a roof above your head for protection, and therefore it's a problem. However, if you always walk out with a baseball cap, whether it's sunny or raining, or even if it's beautiful and you want the sun to hit you, you just always, that's the look. And I know some Jews in certain countries, are not allowed, they're not allowed to walk with the kippah, so they walk with the baseball cap. So Shabbat also, they're not wearing the baseball cap 
for protection of wearing it because that's the look, that's the style. So that will not be a problem of Bonet over here. You're allowed to wear that baseball cap on Shabbat. So therefore, if you're under such a category also, you're allowed to wear that baseball cap on Shabbat. If you're a regular person that wears it, for you're wearing it for the looks. But once you have Kavanah, they're doing it. For the sake of protection, there's going to be a problem, Bonet. Melacha number 35 is a Melacha of Soter, demolition. Whatever you cannot build, you cannot, whatever is forbidden to build on Shabbat, if it's built already, you cannot take it down. A practical application of this halakha is, like we said before, if braiding the hair is called boneh, the opposite will be soter, which is unbraiding your hair on Shabbat. So if you have braided hair on Shabbat and you realize that, you know, it's, it's not going to be the style to go out with braids just on your luck, unfortunately, to unbraid your hair on Shabbat would be a problem of soter. Also, Abbasi writes, the faucets, the easy faucets that go onto the, 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 the twist on to be there, on Shabbat, to be there you know, for a day or two on Shabbat, that's going to be a problem also of soter to remove the faucet on Shabbat, to clean it out or to replace a filter. It's going to be a problem of soter, as Abbasi writes. Melacha number 36, the Melacha of Mechabe. Mechabe is extinguishing or even minimizing a fire. That will because according to many, many Ahronim, many of the late authorities, electricity falls under the category of fire, and therefore it's asur, forbidden on Shabbat, to put on anything that's electric, whether the asur of, under the category, under the menacha of mab'ir, which is putting on a fire, sometimes it's going to be directa, sometimes it's derabanan, but still, being that electrical appliances fall under the category of mab'ir, shutting off any any um, electric appliance on Shabbat is going to be under the category of mab'ir. Not necessarily the oraita, but the asur nonetheless. Another practical application is lowering even the gas on Shabbat or lowering the uh, lights. The you know they have these. Um, Sometimes lights with a dimmer. So to, to, to lower it on Shabbat, don't say, listen, it's on anyway. So I'm just lowering the effect of it. That is, that will be a problem of Mechabe on Shabbat. Mab'ir, which is igniting a fire, whether you're using it for its heat or to give you light or even to make ashes or coals, that's also considered Mab'ir Medoraita. It's one of the Av Melachot. Like we said, applies to all electrical appliances. Also, to create a new fire. Through the sun is also forbidden. You can do that by taking a, a magnifying glass, taking a piece of paper, coloring on it with black, a permanent marker, black permanent marker, and putting it under the sun, you'll see fire comes out. That's, that's what you're making fire. Even though you're not striking a match, that's also a problem of mav'ir. Finally, the last two melachot, melachal number 38, is which is the final important step in completing, in the completion of making any item, this melacha could apply anywhere. The Saposkim who hold that this, the, this melacha, melacha patish, even applies to food. Biru Halakha argues, but Ben says that it does. So you can find this melacha really anywhere. We'll give you some very, very practical applications of this. You have a broom. You want to make a broom on Shabbat. You have the place, the, the one with the, where it has the brushes, and you have the stick to stick it on, to, to twist the stick on the, the, the brush. That is, and making a broom, that is a problem of Makkebe Patish on Shabbat. Also, 
if you have a loose arm on your glasses and you want to tighten it on Shabbat, that could also be a problem of Makeh Patish. And finally, the final halakha, the final melakha, excuse me, melakha number 39, the melakha of Hotza'ah. Carrying on Shabbat. Carrying on Shabbat. Minat Torah is when you take something from a private domain and you take it into a public domain and there's a lot to speak about what is called a public domain. We all know it's carrying. Also walking in the public domain, carrying an item or even throwing an item in a public domain or from a private domain to a public domain. That's all asur. Very practical. Don't throw anything. You can't play football in the street where there's no roof. You can't even throw a football from your property onto somebody who's standing in the street. You can't push a stroller. You can't carry a child even if he's able to walk. That's all under the category of Hotza. And there's a lot to speak about. Of course, there's Eruv uh, and all the other things. There are banan, there are But like we said, in all the other minachot, we'll talk about them when we come to its time. That is it. We have concluded now the 39 minachot. I know it was very, very fast. But like we said, this class was not meant, they should know the 39 minachot. This, this was meant in order to be a review of what we said. And even what we said, the three classes on the 39 minachot themselves, besides the other two classes where we just spoke about the concept of Shabbat and the important, or the, the some halachot applied to all the 39 minachot, that was only an overview. The details of Hashem will come when we speak about each minachot in full detail. What's mutar? What's asur? When and when does it apply? When doesn't it apply? Is that the same? That will come when we go through the Benish High inside. Meanwhile, we're gonna stop over here. If you have any questions, you could call in right now at 718 683 5858, or of course, you could text us at 347 527 and we'll be here to answer your questions, of course, as usual. You can always email us at halakhahour at gmail.com. Next week already, we're going to start talking about the halakhot of the, halakhot of the three weeks. Uh, we should have Mashiach. We should not have to mourn about Yerushalayim, about the destruction of Yerushalayim. Yerushalayim should be built, but just in case, we have to be ready with the halakhot. But that the same next week. We'll go into the holiday series already. Where we speak about the halakhot of the three weeks. And then eventually, I know it sounds like it's far, but it's not really. It's right around the corner. The halakhot of Selichot, of Rosh Hashanah, and of course the Yamim Noraim, Mazat Shem will come afterwards. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week, Mazat Shem. Have a wonderful week, and a Shabbat Shalom.